Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Yeah, Joel, it's one of these every other Mondays, which means it's time for an Ask How to Money, man. Uh, this is where we take listener questions. We've got five listener questions on the docket, including uh, we've got a listener who is, he's got some questions about buying a house, whether they should go ahead and pull the trigger on purchasing a home or should they wait. We're going to take a question about joint brokerage accounts from a couple in Maine. And we're also taking a question about credit card rewards, uh, whether it makes sense to you know look towards the, the cash back if you're going to get the cash or if it makes sense to focus on travel rewards, specifically airline miles and some of those different points that cards offer. We're going to get to those questions, man, plus two others uh, during this episode. Looking forward to it, man. And as always, our our listeners have just really interesting questions, and I'm thankful that they entrust us to, you know, toss our input their way. So yeah, it should be a fun one today. Absolutely, man. But before we get to those questions, I wanted to to talk to you about a little money, I guess a consumer tip that I learned recently. So here in our household, uh, we like to cook. We cook a lot in our house, which means we are really dependent on our range hood in order to uh, maintain the air quality in our house, keep it nice and fresh and crisp. Uh, Well, one of the bulbs, we've got two really bright bulbs that shine down from it, and one of them went out 
which again, doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but for us, it's a huge stinking deal. <laughs> it's a huge deal. I looked up the range model number. And my guess is they don't take the normal 60 watt right. light bulbs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those specialty kind of bulbs, you know? And so for that reason, I looked up the, like the serial number or the model number of the, of the range to look up a replacement bulb specifically for that range. And so I went to a few different uh, parts websites, you know, that specialize in appliance parts, you know, replacement parts that are like OEM, you know, like they're the legit, you know, from the manufacturer, they're like the name brand or whatever. And how much does a light bulb cost? (laughs) At least $20. I went to a few of these different sites and $20 was the best price I could find. And I think that didn't include shipping either. And I was just like, you know, on one hand, like part of me wanted to kind of go the easy route. And what I was kind of, the excuse I was telling myself was that, okay, no, it's not just the easy route. This is the official route. You know, I want to get the actual manufacturer's part. Like I want the part that was made for this range. But then the other, the frugal side of me was just like, oh, 20 bucks for a bulb, man. That's just too much money. I found this chart uh, that basically I was able to identify on this chart what kind of bulb this thing is. Because, you know, they've got like these weird like T4 or, you know, G9, like all these kind of different weird codes. All right. It sounds like all the random circular batteries that you could put in a watch. Like there's yes, a million different exactly. varieties. Exactly. It, it's, it's like that. But the thing is, once you can identify which bulb you have or which bulb you need, uh, on this chart, then you can easily search not by the part number, but you can search by that type of bulb. And gotcha. so I, I think in my case, it was, I think it was G9, uh, but it was like this buy pin bulb, you know, like a loot pin kind of specialty bulb thing. So once I was able to find that, I was able to hop on Amazon, search that specific bulb with the wattage I needed. And dude, instead of finding one bulb for 20 bucks, I was able to get 10 bulbs for $8. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, not, was, the, not that you'll use 10 bulbs probably within your lifetime, but... <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'll store them away. We've got like a special light bulb box, you know, that's where we keep all the light bulbs. And for the other nine that I'm not going to use, I wrote on that bag, you know, range hood bulbs. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there for folks that, you know, I was going to take the easy route, right? I was just going to hop on order from where I knew that I could get the official bulb. But with five minutes uh, of digging around on the internet, I was able to educate myself and learn what type of bulb I needed, not the uh, model number or part number. I got a deal that was 20 times better uh, <laughs> than the amount that I was getting ready to pay. Uh, I want to put that out there as encouragement for folks out there who might be in a similar situation. Nice. I like that. And I think sometimes in order to save money, I think the biggest lesson from this is sometimes you have to be willing just to like roll up your sleeves and search the internet. <laughs> you know, like it, it's I'm not going to roll up my sleeves and spend five minutes on the internet. <laughs> going to get down and dirty. It, it just takes like going another layer deep, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and some of us um, just really do like we're, we're so used to the easy solution we're so used to just taking the simplest approach that we can um, and you know we're advocates of simple <laughs> I'm a big fan of simple but this is just yeah one extra step that saved you a ton of money and, and I think for people that want to be frugal right that they um, that want to save more money this year uh, maybe challenge yourself in any little way in which you've got an expenditure coming up all right well how can I move the needle on this expense um, there's got to be a way <laughs> to go to think one level deeper in order to save a few extra bucks. So, buddy, thanks for sharing your story on that. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, I guess another side tip is I'll say, like, set a time limit on yourself, you know? Because yeah, I know for me, like, it's easy to kind of just go down this path of, like, okay, and before I know it, I'm spending 30 minutes researching different types of bulbs, and it would have maybe have been worth it for me to spend 20 bucks if I'm spending you know, maybe two hours. And I'm like, where did my night, you know, where'd my evening go? <laughs> I got sucked into the world of light bulbs. Um, but by spending five, like, maybe I spent 10 minutes total uh, by the 
the time the purchase was all said and done. Uh, but yeah, setting an actual hard kind of time limit might be a way for folks to rein themselves in a little bit as well. Yeah, if you've got to take PTO, <laughs> you know, to take time <laughs> off work, you know, to search uh, some light bulbs, it's not going to be worth it. Not worth it at all. Yeah. Unless you're going to lose that PTO because you're getting it rolled over from last year. Then I, I guess, guess light bulbs are a justifiable <laughs> excuse for that. <laughs> all right, let's get on to the, the beer that we're having on the show today, Matt. This one is by Heist Brewing and it's called Ancient Feelings. It's a West Coast style IPA. Looking forward to sharing this one with you, man, and talking about it at the end of the episode. But for now, let's get on to the topic at hand. Let's uh, answer some listener questions. And if anybody out there has a question that they would like Matt and I to tackle on an upcoming episode, uh, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple instructions there for you to record a voice memo, send it our way, and hopefully we can take yours on the next Ask HTM episode. But Matt, let's get to the first question that we're going to take today. This one's about whether or not they are actually prepared to buy a home. Hey, Joel and Matt, this is Will from Loma Linda, California. Thanks for the podcast. My fiance just matched into a medical fellowship program in Orange County, California, where she'll be working for at least the next three years. I've been self-employed as a CG artist since 2019. We're moving in six months and need to decide if it's time to purchase or keep renting. Average home price in Orange County is $800,000. We have a large working dog that makes it hard to find rentals, and even if we do find a house with a yard to rent for the next three years, it'll cost us nearly $100,000. Now our combined income is only around $80,000 now because I've been drawing the lowest salary I can while letting my business account grow. We're in our early 30s and want to put down roots and buy a home, but I'm not sure if we should yet. We aren't married yet as my fiance is taking advantage of PSLF for her medical school loans, which uses an income-based repayment plan. So it's best to keep her income low or our combined income low when we do get married. Her loans cost around $65 a month now and should be completely forgiven by 2029. Now I've got the stronger credit score of the two of us at 810, but I'm self-employed and probably seen as more of a liability by lenders than my doctor fiance. We have access to around 40,000 in non-retirement money as well. Now I feel based on our income alone now, we're not candidates for buying in such an expensive area. But on the other hand, by 2024, our household income should be north of $330,000. So my question is, should our future situation affect our purchasing decision now or not? If you were in our shoes, would you be looking or would you wait for a few more years? Thanks. All right, Will, let's go ahead and and, uh, dive into your question, man. Thanks so much for sending that one in. Uh, I wanted to first touch on the amount that you're going to be spending towards rent. The the $100,000 in rent that you'll pay over the uh, upcoming three years is not going to be wasted money. That can be the view of many renters who do hope to own a home in the near future. They, they ask themselves the question, they're like, well, you know, why would I throw away money when it could be going towards the home of my dreams, right? And while I completely understand why they, you know, why they feel that way, uh, that isn't what is happening, right? Renting provides a, a roof over your head while you are working to get in the financial situation to buy a home. Uh, and buying a home doesn't make sense for for everyone, you know. Um, I think, you know, especially in the most expensive real estate markets, renting can be the smarter play. Uh, in particular, if you invest the savings uh, that you'll see grow in the market instead of spending it on on a home. And this is coming from somebody who loves homes, you know. Like I have spent, you know, okay, now we spent a good deal on our home. We value it, but even still, it, you know, renting is not throwing away your money. It's, it's definitely worth getting in a maybe a more solid financial position before you buy that home. Yeah, your multi-million dollar palace. 
is really incredible, Matt. <laughs> gotta say. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, man. I think that is the common trope, uh, and part of it is just kind of the culture of this country. It's built on home ownership, and there's kind of a there's kind of a cult of home ownership, and so everybody is led to believe that home ownership is one of the greatest ideals, and home ownership can be a great thing for a lot of people if you're ready. Um, but Will, it just doesn't seem like you're quite ready yet. So let's talk about uh, what it would look like to be ready. What you said about putting down roots, I think is actually one of the best reasons to purchase a home. If you plan on staying in the area for seven years or longer, buying starts to make more sense. So if you can accelerate your savings, maybe you can split the difference and rent for just one more year as opposed to three more years. If you decide to continue renting for the time being, it doesn't mean that you're definitely signing yourselves up to, to be renters for the next three years. Right. But let's also talk about the, the warning flags on the other hand that would make me very hesitant to buy if I was in your situation. You just don't currently have the income to support a mortgage on an $800,000 home, uh, especially with what you currently have as a down payment. Payment. An average mortgage payment with today's rates would be at least $3,500 a month. And that's assuming that you have enough for a 20% down payment of $160,000, which it sounds like you don't. You sound like you had $40,000 in cash reserves, uh, which doesn't get you to that point. Getting all that lined up would be hard enough as it is, but you're also self-employed, which means you're going to need two years of solid tax history to be able to prove your income to a mortgage lender. Yeah. And I can personally speak to that. When Kate and I, when we were buying our first home, we were self-employed and it had only been like barely two years. And so it was really, really difficult for us to secure that mortgage. Uh, and so, well, you know, even if you wanted to move forward uh, and you, you guys made the decision to, to try to do this, you may not be able to based on the restrictions that a lender might put on you guys. And so, you know, what Joel and I would say is that ultimately don't count your chickens before they hatch, right? You know, it's great that your prospects are solid here and we hope that your financial uh, projections do come true and, and even more so, <laughs> right? Uh, but buying a home before you are ready can put just undue strain on your finances, on your relationship as well. So, you know, keep on building up your savings uh, and in a few years time, you'll be mega ready to purchase a home. I know that there, you know, there can be a bit of FOMO when it comes to to buying a home, uh, and everyone in the real estate business will tell you that you need to jump now. Yeah, they uh, will. <laughs> <laughs> in particular, with rates where they are, like I feel it a little bit right now myself. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm considering refinancing because rates are so low. But that doesn't matter if you are not ready, if your finances aren't where they need to be. And so, you know, we're uh, we're actually going to talk more about FOMO uh, on Wednesday's episode. So keep an eye out for that. Be sure to give that one a listen as well. Yeah, and I think uh, real estate right now, with how home prices have appreciated. And the combination of super low rates has made it a topic of discussion and, and it's caused a lot of people who aren't quite ready to really, really want to buy a home. But you have to make sure that your finances are in a great spot before you actually continue down that process and purchase a home. Or it could put you and your fiance in a tough financial situation that you don't want to be in. Uh, so best of luck to you, Will, in saving up for that house. Matt, let's get to a couple more questions, including that one about travel rewards or cashback rewards. Which one's better? Uh, which one should you prioritize? We'll get to those and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... 
Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back. And before we get to that question about uh, credit card rewards, let's get to a question from that couple that's up there in Maine. 
Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Maggie and Elliot from Portland, Maine, and we are huge fans of the show. We have a question for you about joint brokerage accounts. We're both a few years out of college and work in the environmental field. We both fully fund and manage our Roth IRAs each year through Vanguard and have healthy emergency funds set aside. We do each have student debt, but take advantage of the Maine Education Tax Credit, which refunds us our student loan payments up to about 4500 a year each. We're looking for a way to effectively invest more of our money to use 10 to 20 years out. We're considering opening a joint brokerage account together through Vanguard and are curious about tax implications for an unmarried couple. We would also appreciate any insight on advantages or disadvantages to this strategy. Do you think it would be better to have separate accounts or combined forces to maximize the effects of compounding interest? Portland has fantastic breweries and we'd recommend Rising Tide if you're ever in town. Thanks so much for your answers. All right, Matt, our first joint question yeah, on the show. Yeah, that's super cool. Oh, and, and she mentioned Rising Tide, which is actually a brewery that Kate and I have been to when we went up to Portland for oh, a little nice. little trip. Yeah, we rented bikes uh, downtown and we, we rode, I think it was like the, the Promenade Trail or something like that. We rode all the way around like the tip up all the way around when we dropped back down uh, and then I had coordinated our our, uh, our bike ride to go by this other brewery and it was Rising Tide so of course you coordinated <laughs> a bike ride to go bike, by a brewery bikes and beer baby you can't beat that like that's my type of vacation yeah and Maine man it's just such a wonderful oh, yeah. place so. it was beautiful uh, and Bissell and Oxbow are oh, two yeah. other just awesome breweries up there Bissell's so good by the way too that Maine education tax credit that Maggie mentioned is awesome for any young folks that, that move to Maine. Um, I love that they're taking advantage of that. When I think when a state offers money to help draw young talent, often it's a win-win for the individuals uh, who are helping getting their student, uh, getting some student loan relief, and then also too for the state because uh, there are people who, who get drawn there uh, for the monetary incentive. And then oftentimes they end up sticking around yeah. and they make a difference in the place where they live and they pay taxes in the place where they live. And so um, I think it's a good thing for the state and the individual. Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt when it's a city that's as beautiful as portland as well <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like you're yeah. like oh this place is actually great you didn't even have to pay me to come yeah come for free. <laughs> exactly uh maggie let's talk to you about just some of the i guess particulars about uh, a joint account you know you both are already crushing it so hard uh, when it comes to your personal finances so that's great i love that you want to you know do even more and you know your personal finance situation and timeline it totally makes investing the right move you're talking about some longer term savings and so you want to be investing that money not just saving it and so uh, let's specifically talk about whether you should have a joint account, though, or not. Um, first off, having separate or joint accounts, that will not affect the ability of your money to compound uh, as it grows, right? Uh, $10,000 in one account versus $5,000 in two separate accounts will still see the same net return uh, if it's invested in the same way. You know, there's no magic in combining your money. There's no, like, with our powers combined. <laughs> We're Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, she did say that they both worked in, I guess, the environmental sector, so maybe she's familiar with that old, old school cartoon. <laughs> maybe Captain Planet inspired her to do what she's doing today. That could be true. All right, yeah, and Matt, let's talk about joint brokerage accounts. What should uh, should Maggie and Elliot have an account together, or should they do it separately? And, and we would say separate is the best way to go for now, especially since you're not actually married. And that is not a slight against people who choose not to get married who or who aren't married yet. It's just that there are financial reasons that make it less advantageous. For married folks, a shared brokerage account offers some helpful benefits. So, But if you haven't tied the knot yet, though, keeping your accounts separate offers the most protection for each of you as individuals. And let's, let's touch on the legal nitty gritty as well, Maggie. Um, 
you know, one of the benefits that comes with a joint account is that you automatically know, I guess, where that money would go in case one of you, you know, if one of you were to die. Uh, but a simple solution to that when it comes to beneficiaries is just make sure that you name Elliot as your beneficiary on your own account. And then Elliot, you do the same thing for Maggie. That's right, Elliot. If Maggie does it for you, you do it for her too, okay? <laughs> you better. Not cool if you don't. Um, and of course, that'll ensure that if anything happens to either of you, that the, that the money you've invested would go to your partner. Uh, you know, and they're could also be some, you know, gift tax issues associated with a joint brokerage account. My guess is that is unlikely, but avoiding those altogether is another reason for you to each have your own account. Uh, and not to mention, too, it's having your own accounts is the easiest way to uh, keep your money separate of each other in case things were to not work out. Obviously, you're going to hope that things do work out for the two of you. But one of the biggest legal knots to untie is when you've combined your finances like that, you know, before you've gotten married. And so keeping that separate until you do actually get married uh, is what we would recommend. Yeah, there's so many other ways before you're married that you can combine your lives, but you know, tying the joint brokerage account knot, uh, maybe that should wait until you tie the actual knot too. So uh, best of luck to you guys moving forward. Uh, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one's about credit cards. Hi, Matt and Joel. My name's Mary. I am out of Louisville, Kentucky. I have to say I love your podcast. I've been listening for about a year now, and it's really changed the direction of my savings. I do have a question for you about credit cards. Um, I do have a Discover card right now where I'm earning 5% cash back on certain categories each quarter. I am curious whether having a credit card with high cash back percentages versus having a credit card with travel rewards points would be better. I'm not really sure how to compute the travel rewards points into cash back and how that compares dollar for dollar. I do love to travel, but if the cash back versus the travel rewards uh, points financially equate out to about the same amount, it seems like it would make more sense to get cash back so you can use that for anything. Any advice you have would be great. Thank you. Mary, we appreciate you uh, listening to the show for, for so long, and we're glad that this has uh, made a positive impact in your life. And great question as well. Let's get into it. You said that you like to travel quite a bit. So, you know, it probably makes sense to do both, right? Woo-hoo, do both. Yeah, I've got... <laughs> That's my favorite answer to any question. <laughs> do it all. All uh, of the above. It takes some balance. And a lot of times folks don't want to hear that. They want us to hear like a slam dunk answer one way or the other. But in this case, uh, this is one of those answers where I think we're going to recommend both. Man, I've, I've got three credit cards that I use regularly depending on you know where I'm spending, whether I'm you know buying in person or online. And so Mary, I like the idea of you having a diverse mix of cards too for a few reasons. Uh, one of those reasons is that some of the different credit card companies out there they took a hard line during the pandemic and started to really cut back on limits, uh, really affecting people who were in a tough situation, folks who were using their cards as sort of a lifeline. Yeah, I mean, cutting their spending limits, essentially. Like, yes. so, so let's say it was at, used to have a credit limit of 20000 then it was uh, slashed to 6000 and that had a really rough impact on a lot of people's credit scores. Yeah, especially if you already had 5000 on that card and all of a sudden your utilization ratio just shot up, right? Exactly. And so uh, having a, a few different cards not only opens you up to a maximum reward potential, but it also ensures that you won't end up in a, a situation, I think, like a lot of folks found themselves in during the pandemic. Yeah, good point, Matt. And then also, let's uh, speak specifically to cashback versus travel rewards. And like you said, I think both is the best answer. Finding the credit cards that are going to offer you the best rewards in certain categories is is often the best way to go. And, and uh, having a mix of maybe three or four credit cards that have different perks can be the best for you. So using something like the Amex Blue Cash Preferred for your streaming and grocery store 
store purchases is a good way to go. Ah, <laughs> and then and then having a travel <laughs> credit card for all your travel expenses is smart. And then on top of that, having something like the City Double Cash card uh, that would be specifically for all the other things you spend money on because you're getting a consistent 2% cash back on all those purchases. That just ensures that you're getting the best bang for your buck on, on everything whenever you're spending money. And, and Matt, just like I think one trick for people who, who have maybe a, a few too many credit cards and they forget which one is for what purpose, um, I, I would say that you can label them in your wallet, uh, whether it's just like with a Sharpie or some sort of a label printer. And that can kind of help you remember, all right, this card is for eating out. This card is for groceries. And this card is for everything else um, uh, or gas, whatever it is. You know, it can be a helpful reminder because I know some people can be like, that's too much. It's overload. So I'm going to stick with one card. But really, yeah, it, it's in your financial best interest to have a few different ones to choose from. Yeah. And according to Joel, it also makes sense for you to have a label printer. <laughs> I mean, if you got one, you can go Sharpie. You can go basic with a Sharpie. All right, Boomer. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's just such an old school thing to do is have a label maker and you're sticking it. You're not talking about a label maker, No, are you? I don't have a label maker. Oh, okay. But uh, no, I would just write something like, you know, maybe even just uh, like two initials, like okay, travel. Or totally, whatever. totally. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Having, having a Sharpie, I, I love, dude, I love Sharpies. That's like my favorite thing to do is just mark stuff up. <laughs> uh, and also, Mary was asking about how to quantify the benefits of a travel card, you know, travel rewards versus cash back. And generally speaking, the rewards that you're going to get on a travel card, right, whether it be uh, just points or airline miles, you're going to get more bang for your buck when it comes to those benefits. But the thing is, that's great if you're using those benefits, yeah. right? And so this is a part of the reason why we like saying both, because if you have a ton of airline points or miles kind of socked away and you're not using them, well, there's no sense in continuing to rack up those points or those miles. Uh, switch over to a cash back card. But if travel really is a priority for you and it's something that you're doing often, then definitely go with the travel rewards. Uh, it's, it is difficult to beat the return that you're going to get on those. It's a great deal if you're using it. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing, Matt, with travel cards is that a lot of people haven't been using them lately, of course, because of COVID. Uh, lots of folks have been canceling their travel rewards cards because they haven't been able to go anywhere. And they want to avoid, in all likelihood, a super high annual fee that they're paying uh, without really much benefit. But Mary, if you're still traveling and you want to keep doing so, then jumping on a travel-specific credit card is in all likelihood a great move for you. You might want to go with an airline-specific card. Depending on which airlines do the most service out of where you live, I've had the Southwest card for a number of years. The sign-up bonus was great, um, and I, like it was basically like a ton of free flights on Southwest when I signed up for the card. And Southwest also is just hyper-competitive with their fares. Southwest, the Costco of airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <Basically. laughs> yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, if you don't have an airline that uh, consists charges low fares that flies out of uh, the airport where you live. Maybe a, a more general travel card is better for you. Uh, we love the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, and it comes with a sweet $750 sign-up bonus, which can translate into even more money uh, towards travel spending if you hit the initial spending limit. So if you travel a good bit, it's definitely worth that $95 annual fee because of all the additional perks that come with it for people who do love to travel. Uh, we'll post a link to that card in our show notes so you can check it out. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning too, if you're looking at specific airline cards make sure that you're aware of the specific expiration policies you know with those points because uh, all the different companies out there have different policies and you don't want to have those expire where you're missing out on all of those benefits because that would be the worst way to go is yeah. uh, losing out on those benefits altogether or if you close a card and then all the points you forget <laughs> about the points yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah so yeah you got to make sure that you either transfer them to the right place or spend all your points before canceling a card typically yeah and so we've got a couple more questions Joel, including one 
one about uh, a mortgage getting sold to another bank. What that's all about. We'll get to that one plus one other right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back from the break. And this question is about a financial pain point that many people who have bought a home have found themselves in, having their mortgage sold to another bank, sometimes a bank you don't really like. Hi, guys. This is Mackenzie from Lorraine, Ohio. I have a question for you about mortgage companies. When we bought our first home, we got a mortgage through a traditional smaller company. Within three months of closing, our mortgage was sold to one of the giant servicers. The process was incredibly stressful because they messed up the transfer of the balances and it took over a year in reporting the new servicer to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to get it resolved. As we think about what our next mortgage might look like or possibly refinancing this one, we wondered if there are any mortgage companies out there that don't sell your mortgage or if there's a way to decrease the probability of your mortgage being sold. We would like to never experience this again. We look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Thanks. Hey, McKenzie, great to hear from you. And whoa, I'm so sorry that you went through that with your mortgage servicer, but I am so very glad that you were able to get that resolved. The uh, CFPB is clutch in cases like this when financial service companies turn, you know, just a, a deaf ear, you know, to the problems that they have caused you. Uh, I understand how it would make you want to do business directly with a loan provider who keeps your loan in house instead of selling it, you know, to one of the majors who have mostly bad customer service. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that too. Wanting to avoid doing business with banks that don't care about you uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and in your case, there there wasn't much you can do about it. But from here on out, there is something you can do in order to hopefully prevent your uh, your new mortgage on the next house you take out or if you do a refi somewhere else to prevent that being sold to one of the big banks. And the best way to do this is to avoid using a bank to get your mortgage and instead go with a credit union. Uh, I have two home loans through my local credit union, Matt, and they've never been sold anywhere else. I've also used a local bank a few different times uh, to, to purchase homes and those mortgages have been sold what percent of the time? Are you asking me? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> really. <laughs> You're right. So uh, very similar here. Like, I, yeah, I've gone with local credit unions before, and guess what? My mortgages are still being serviced by them, uh, and I have two mortgages with one of the bigs that I, I will not say on this podcast. And guess what? They were sold to that big bank. Unfortunately, uh, there's nothing I can do about it at this point. Uh, I guess I could refi and actually might be doing that soon, but we'll see. Yeah, the, the only reason to do that is if you're actually going to save money because closing costs exactly. are so prohibitive. But the best thing to do is uh, to, to go with the credit union, like we said. And they typically keep loans in-house uh, instead of selling them as a one-time profit maker. That's the model that credit unions roll with. And so uh, what you should do is, one, become a member of a local credit union or two, and then ask that credit union if that's how they roll before you uh, take out a loan with them. Say, do you keep your mortgage loans in-house? And if they do, then that's a great way to go and uh, gives you the peace of mind knowing that you'll never have to go through that again where your loan is sold and something gets messed up. Credit unions rock for a whole lot of reasons, but they're particularly excellent when it comes to mortgage loans. 
Yeah, and to all the listeners out there as well, it's worth mentioning that I, you know what happened to McKinsey, it's not the norm, right? And so I, I guess I don't want to scare <laughs> everybody out there from doing business with you know anybody except for a, a credit union. Uh, I've used a, a mortgage underwriter a couple times where I knew specifically that they were going to sell that mortgage to a, a large bank. That's actually how I got those two mortgages <laughs> with a big bank that I shall not name. Uh, and in that specific case for us, it worked out really well because, I mean, this is a company that all they do is underwrite mortgages, right? They are not in the business of servicing loans. But what that meant is that they had a really smooth system. They were able to keep costs down pretty low. And that also meant that we were able to get a really competitive rate as well, uh, one that was really comparable to a local credit union. And in our case, those were sold and transferred over to to the big bank, and there was not any errors. You know, like we didn't have any issues. And so it's, I guess, it's a little annoying, uh, but they are w- totally within their legal rights to do that. But if that's something that you want to completely avoid, like Joel said, looking towards a credit union is totally the way to go. Yeah, just to drive home that point, this is a very rare circumstance. And it's a very awful circumstance when you're in the middle of it. And it's taking you months of phone calls and emails and just the annoying hassle of trying to get an issue resolved where your mortgage balance wasn't properly transferred to the new mortgage holder. But it's just important to state that that what McKenzie experienced is awful, but it's also not the norm. Yeah, and you know there are other perks to using a credit union for a home purchase as well, like the ability to go and talk with somebody in person if you have any questions. Uh, and again, credit unions often offer the best rates. Because credit union members are also part owners, they aren't trying to increase fees in order to maximize profit. So there are multiple reasons why credit unions are top-notch, and it's something we would definitely recommend for the next property, uh, Mackenzie, that y'all buy. No doubt. So, Mackenzie, thanks for that question. And Matt, let's get to the next one. This one's about investing in a tax-efficient way. Hey, guys. This is Jack from Denver. I'm currently in the wealth building phase, maxing retirement accounts with an HSA, 401k, and Roth IRA, as well as contributing any excess to a personal brokerage account. My company also allows a mega backdoor Roth into the 401k, which I'm taking advantage of. I'm 28 years old, and I'm hoping to retire early. I have a pretty high risk tolerance when it comes to investments, and I wanted to know if it makes more sense to place higher risk investments in a particular account. I am mostly invested in target date retirement funds as well as broad stock market funds, but I'm looking to increase my holdings in the technology sector. Is there any benefit to purchasing these riskier funds in a Roth versus pre-tax versus personal brokerage account? Does it make sense to be looking at different investments across different account types, or am I overcomplicating things? Appreciate your time. Looking forward to hearing from you. Dang. <laughs> it sounds like Jack's definitely going to be able to retire early uh, with how he is ma- completely maxing out all of his retirement options and then some. And, and Jack, you know, because you're on top of things and you've got your ducks all in a row, this is a great question to consider you know, as you're looking to optimize and, and make things even more efficient. Uh, this is less of a concern for someone who is maybe just getting started, but this is a great consideration for someone wanting to invest in the most tax-efficient manner. All right, Matt, so let's get into that. And a good strategy in order to minimize taxes is to buy and hold tax-efficient investments in taxable accounts and to hold less tax-efficient investments in tax-advantaged accounts. So that means investments that have the potential to generate lots of tax are sheltered in accounts like 401ks and Roth IRAs. And then if you're looking to also invest in taxable accounts, which it sounds like you are, Jack, you are investing in your own brokerage account, you want to fill those with investments that will trigger as few taxes as possible. 
Yeah, and so that raises the question, you know, what type of investments won't trigger uh, as many taxes? And an aspect of investments that will make them more or less tax efficient are the dividends that they pay. For example, if you own a stock that pays a high dividend, you know, that is an investment that is less tax efficient. So you would want that invested in an account uh, like a Roth IRA. Uh, if it's sitting there in your Roth, those dividends will never be taxed. Uh, and, you know, that's not the case for a brokerage account. Yeah, and uh, just to get a little more nitty gritty, Matt, get a little more down in the weeds. It also just depends on the specific investments you're considering. You specifically mentioned technology sector investments, Jack, but they can pay different dividends too, right? For example, VU, which is Vanguard's S&P 500 ETF. You're speaking my language, Joel. <laughs> I know you love that one. Pays a 1.5% dividend yield, whereas Vanguard's technology ETF, VGT, pays half of that at 0.8%. But then if you're looking at certain single stocks, some of them pay just massive dividends. Like IBM, they're paying a full 5% yield. And so each of those would have differing amounts of tax consequences based on the dividend payout. Yeah, I'm also a fan of VGT as well. That's Vanguard's uh, tech stock ETF. <laughs> <laughs> I own that as well. <laughs> so, Jack, maybe a, another way to think about approaching investing in a tax-efficient manner is by putting your highest-performing investments in the most favorable tax advantage account, which will likely be your riskier investments, right? Uh, that's n- probably not going to be your target date retirement fund. Uh, and then place your more conservative lower risk, and and also likely lower performing investments in your taxable brokerage account. Uh, You're going to want to shelter from tax. Whichever investments are are likely to see the biggest gains, uh, I think that's probably why you're looking at maybe some of those those tech ETFs or funds or stocks. Uh, You're looking maybe for a little bit more return. Target date funds do consist a little bit more of bonds. So with it being uh, a more conservative fund like that, that would be something I would be looking to to put in a outside of my retirement accounts within a brokerage account and saving that space within those tax sheltered accounts for some higher performing investments and assets. Yeah, and also, Jack, it, it makes sense to take advantage of tax breaks and to invest in a tax-efficient manner, but the key is not to let those intricacies overwhelm you. The fact that you're investing so much of your overall income, mostly in tax-deferred retirement accounts, is the main wealth driver here. And taxes on investments when you're putting aside as much as you are can get a little complex. And so it, it might actually make sense for you to talk to a tax pro or a financial planner to discuss your specific situation. This can get a little nuanced and opaque. And so having someone to guide you through your specific situation yeah. when you're at the level you are and you're putting away as much money as as you are right now, Jack, um, is not a bad idea. It's not a waste of money to pay somebody and to talk to somebody and to get their advice based on the accounts that you have and the assets that you're invested in inside of those accounts. So I would prioritize that with some of your money since you do want to retire early. Hire someone, get a helping hand, get that outside perspective on something that can be really confusing, but they can also have a really important impact on your returns over the years. Yeah. So, Jack, thanks so much for that question, and thank you for listening to the show. Joel, just take it back to the beer that we were drinking this episode. Uh, you and I were enjoying another one from Heist Brewery out of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and this one is called Ancient Feelings. What were your thoughts on this one, bud? Uh, all right. So, I got to say, this one came in a mixed four-pack, which I, I love the mixed four-pack. I don't know why more breweries don't do it, probably because it's a packaging nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the fact you get to sample four different beers yeah. with one four-pack purchase. So, um, And four really good beers at that. This one was a West Coast IPA, uh, more of a modern take on the West Coast IPA. It was super bitter without the like abrasively bitter aspects that like the old school West Coast IPAs I think typically had. So yeah, I don't know. I like this one a lot, even though West Coast IPAs aren't typically my jam. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, th- I feel like that's why I like this West Coast IPA is I am not a fan of like the super, you know, grapefruit bitter, like super pithy style IPA. And so like in my mind, this one didn't taste all that bitter to me. It just, like it was very dry uh, and like kind of very, really clean and fresh uh, for a West Coast IPA, uh, which maybe makes sense <laughs> considering this is a, a Charlotte based brewery making a West Coast IPA. They're not really making a West Coast <laughs> IPA. They're making the, an East Coast interpretation of a West Coast IPA. It's like but. getting Shanghai dumplings in Atlanta versus Shanghai. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a really lovely... It's, like, it's pretty good, uh, <laughs> but it's not quite the same. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I really, I still really enjoy this beer. Yet another example of a fantastic brewery uh, out of uh, North Carolina. So uh, glad you and I got to share this one on the show today, man. But that's going to be it for this episode. We will post our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. We'll make sure to link to any of the resources that we mentioned during this episode, including uh, a link to uh, an article, Joel, that you wrote about some of our favorite credit cards based on how it is that you spend your money uh, while you know taking some of those airline or some of those cash back points while keeping all of that in mind. That's, that's really important to consider. Yeah. And if you uh, set up some extreme financial goals for yourself at the beginning of this year, and you're kind of trying to figure out what it's actually going to take to accomplish those, and you have a question for Matt and I, we'd love to uh, offer our input on an upcoming Ask HTM episode. If you want to submit a question for a future episode, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. And it's super simple for you to submit a voice recorded question for us to take on an upcoming episode. But all right, Matt, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.